The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. See what you've noticed about the practice. I suppose you could ask questions, although that's a little bit, you know, I don't know if that's a direction that's so as useful. Um, and then maybe we can spend a couple of minutes talking about uh, how you might support whatever has been found and touched that's good. Where might it go for you? Whether it's a modest and small little tiny good or a big one, doesn't matter. How can we support what's good? So let's just, uh, I think, start by just opening the space. What have you noticed? Um, and we'll see where it goes from there. I have noticed that there is definitely a default software program <laughs> operating uh, in uh, me and other, whether the other is a person or the other is, you know, in um, environment, trees and street and cars and whatnot. And it's not always operating, but it does feel it's uh, the fault. It needs to be watched. And uh, uh, one of the, I'm not a techie, so I'm not going to necessarily use the uh, One of the mechanism of this uh, is, a, is this a, a something I, I like based on my own personal criteria, which are memory aesthetic and whatnot, or is this something that, you know, I don't particularly care for one way or the other? Or, you know, a certain alertness when I'm out in the environment to sources, and the kind of person who doesn't like mechanical noises, I like quiet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that there is, you know, it requires a conscious effort not to go into a state of aversion yeah. if there is a really noisy car or bike or something like that. So, you know, these are some example of how I see the program operating. And sometimes, uh, most of the time, fortunately, it's fine to be in an undefined situation where there is not really much going on but sometimes I can see that there is the impulse to look for or mine <laughs> something or other. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think the operating system can be changed? 
that do you think that default can be shifted? Yeah, I feel I'm already operating, operated on the operating system in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suspect that some of the reaction or responses are harder to modify, you know, or s- sure. snap at the root. Like, for instance, you know, and this for me is a kind of a tricky point even when I read the sutras because um, there are certain things that uh, I am personally and culturally, I'm Mediterranean, so you know there is a certain orientation to the enjoyment of the senses. <laughs> you know, living the good life. And it's not... Um, greedy necessarily at all you know what I mean it's not like more is better it's just enough (laughs) and I find that that kind of sensory pleasure which is pretty innocent actually you know the sun good smells you know that kind of thing you know reasonably good food um, is very it's actually, that's pretty strong condition, if sure. you will. Yeah, it is. It's, it's not harmful to other people, but it does create, it can create, uh, a, you know, conditioning or a belief that if I have that, I'm going to be happier. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. In addition to feeling incredibly grateful for a whole day's worth of practice, um, I'm also noticing a bit of anxiety um, in my gut mind, if Mm. there's such a thing, Mm -hmm. of how to apply this out in the real world Mm -hmm. with non-consensual parties. Very good. (laughs) No, very, very nice, very... Brass tacks. Great question. Thanks. Yeah. So let me first ask you, you have some background with silent meditation practice? Yes. Yeah. So you see the same sati, the same mindfulness is operating right now that's operating when, you know, you're in, in the internal practice, yeah? Yes. Okay. So already we have this bridge between mindfulness, tranquility, all those qualities that we value, and speaking and being in relationship. So we have at least the beginning of a bridge, and now we want to ask about the rest of the bridge. Remember that we started over here without so much of a bridge even to speech. Right, so there's already this part way that we've come in this protected environment, which is one of the reasons for your questions. For question, right? Like, does it extend, or what do I do, or how does this work, or it's a little shaky, right? So, 
there's two things I want to point out about what we've been doing. Um, Insight Dialogue is an integrative practice in the sense that we have built this bridge from mindfulness to speech and relationship. And so now the next move into engagement with others who are not practicing at least isn't a jump all the way across language, other people to other people who are not practicing with us, right? So gone part way. And on this integrative side, it's uh, what, you know, like a gradual training, gradual practice, gradual progress. That's the, this beautiful phrase from the discourses that I, you know, when the Buddha's talking about the nature of the path, I don't say, you know, um, that all of these, all these monks and nuns have done all their work. I don't say none of them have. Some are awakened quickly, some gradually, but when I talk about the path, I talk about this gradual training, gradual practice, gradual progress. Right? Sometimes less gradual, sometimes very quick, sometimes more gradual, but it's this sense of a process, not just, right? This really important basic kind of thing. So what that tells us is that as we apply it to relational mindfulness, to insight dialogue, to a life of being awake with others, that we need to start where we can start, where we can feel it, where we can practice. And if you've touched, well, let me ask you a question. Did you touch any moments of being with another, even if it was just me in this moment right now, or perhaps with one of your partners or all of them, where you could taste what it was like to be really mindful while you're engaged. Absolutely. Okay. So this is something to really be curious about, to really reflect on. (coughs) Actually think about it. Look for it. And then begin to look for it wherever you are. Okay, so here you are with, let's say, someone waiting for you at home or someone that will be at work in a couple of days when you go in. Look for it. Is there the possibility right now of this touching mindfulness? Is it possible to pause here in the office or wherever you work? And in that pause, it's the moment. It's the same moment just like on retreat. Now, if the person you're with, as you say, non-consensual, if the person you're with is not pausing, are you still pausing? Right? Now, you won't have the support of them looking back at you and saying, oh, right, she's pausing, I better pause. Right? That's the beauty of being in practice together here. It's like there's this mutual support. But, you have at least touched something that you can begin to sense into, be really curious about it, and 
and um, recognize that whenever you feel unmet and triggered and all this kind of thing, it's still your deal. Right? Like even if they, you say, oh, they're not aware, how am I supposed to be aware? If they're, well, you can't wait for them. Right? And so it brings it into this kind of very sweet, okay, patience, diligence. Buddha speaks about diligence like, like uh, the elephant's footprint. It's the largest of the footprints and encompasses the footprints of all the other animals. That's our diligence, right? Gradual training, gradual practice, gradual progress, right? And it's not romantic. It would be much, much more fun and kind of you could go out of here inspired if I said, you're enlightened. It's all groovy, you know. And, you know, there's some truth in that perspective as well. There really is. At the same time, this very mundane, simple understanding is something we can really practice with. So when you find yourself triggered, it's like, oh, wherever there's suffering, there's clinging. Voila, it's a formula. It's math. It's physics, you know. So you can say, ah, okay. Also, in this integrative practice where we know we need to practice regularly, find a way to practice. I'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to say something else about what we're doing here with Insight Dialogue. It is an integrative practice in just the way we're talking. It's also a liberative practice. It's a wisdom practice. In the same way that in silent meditation, the mind can be uh, invited gradually, perhaps, into a state of, you know, more stability, calm. Mindfulness can get brighter as the mindfulness and concentration are balanced. The moment can become very finely known, very fine grain of awareness, right? And in that, one uh, can come to understand something fundamental of the nature of grasping, of awareness, of love, of compassion, and whatever, however the mind is turned. When it's, when it's refined like that, the mind can turn in any direction, and there can be some doorway to insight anywhere. Right? Same here. So, we also understand that if you touched any moments today, where something began to open up, some real direct understanding, some insight. This too is available. And this too can be honed and refined, especially if you have a chance to either um, join a group or be in some kind of immersive practice like a retreat. Because then there can be this, you know, uh, from the immersion, a, a profound immediacy of understanding. And so that, integra- that integrative element is joined by this wisdom element that's really good to acknowledge at the same time. So in a nutshell, you can go and you can practice. And I, I actually, you know, these 
guidelines are designed to have that really simple, accessible surface aspect. Pause, stop a minute. You're with a noisy child. You're with uh, 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 you know, someone at work who's just really difficult. Pause in your reaction into awareness and maybe stop your own speaking. Pause, mechanical. And then of course the more subtle pause of just mindfulness is here, just wakes up. Relax. How much stress do we carry in this body? We have much more power to volitionally relax than we're aware of. It's very popular and based on a good, you know, some good intentions and truth to point out that, well, there's, we, volitionally relaxing is really hard to do, we can't do it, this kind of thing. There's a lot we can do if we know how. So just pay attention to the muscles of the face or the jaw or the belly and see what happens as you regularly come back and let go. And I'm talking about right at the grocery store. I mean, this is stuff I've done. I didn't invent this stuff. This is real from real heart practice, you know? And, and if you find yourself in a difficult interpersonal moment and you remember to notice, if you find the tensions, the physical muscular tensions, and invite even a little bit of ease, the mind will follow. So you can actually practice as a practice. You see what I'm saying? Now, we didn't cover all of the insight dialogue instructions, but it's a start. It's a start. Um, Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, goodness, it's pretty late. Um, so I, I want to be respectful of that. Um, so here's what I'm going to suggest. Uh, I know the manager needs to say a couple things, and I also want to say a couple more things about, pra- about your practice. Um, as Gail mentioned, there is a book. I, I don't need to sell books. I you know, probably get three cents when you buy a book. So this is really, this is actually a good resource. And I'm, I'm giving this one to the library here so you can, don't even have to buy one. Um, or you can get it on Amazon or whatever. Um, but also, even more free, is metta.org. Metta.org, M-E-T-T-A, like loving kindness. And there's all kinds of stuff about insight dialogue practice. There's people, you can actually, there's drop-in groups. There's online programs that are built around insight dialogue. And there's also the retreat schedule. Um, I'm going to be, I, I don't usually teach in California, not because of aversion to California, but just because it's, I'm not down here too often, you know, but I will be teaching down in Southern California in uh, February. 
like the third to the eighth is a retreat. And so um, I don't know if it's on our website yet. I don't think so. But anyway, there you have it. Um, But check out the offerings there. And also, you know, if you look around the room, these people have all done a day long. It's It's a simple beginning. It's not a lot of practice, but they've had some practice. So if you want to hook up with someone here, then you know at least that they've had this much. And you can just practice. You know, go to the website or get the book or something like that and practice. Um, And I'm also going to leave this book with the center. It's a book on Dharma contemplation. Um, And you can see something about that on the website as well. And I want to mention it just because for those who are actually interested in going, you know, back to the sources, to the, to the, you know, as close as you can get, at least to the English translations of the Buddha's teachings, this is a way in that offers a very uh, humanizing, accessible, it's a, it's a, it's a reading meditation, a collective reading meditation. And so you might check that out too. I just, I'm not going to make a big deal of it now. I just want you to know it's out there. Gail, did you want to speak and then we'll close? Yeah. Is there a mic? This has been such a rich and moving day. Um, we're all, I'm just feeling it in the room. We're all very, very grateful for your coming to California to be with us. So that's the main thing. Um, the, uh, for those of you who haven't been here before, I just wanted to, um, to point out that we have the tradition in that um, teachings are offered freely uh, and we're, um, uh, we often give dana, which is uh, whatever you would like to contribute. And there's a box for that right by the door as you leave. Um, any amount um, that feels good to you. Yeah. Um, and the last thing, if any, if there would be maybe three or four people that would um, have time to just ten minutes worth of tidying up here for the people that come tomorrow, um, that would be great. And you could just come to me and we could work out what what would be good to do. Um, are there those who could stay? Um, oh, wonderful. That That's just great. Okay, thank you. Any last words? Well, thank you for managing, Gail. Appreciate oh. that. Yeah, that's generous of you. Yeah. And um, so I want to just uh, close with literally one minute of uh, practice that uh, uh, you know we've been in this exploration of relational dhamma relational understanding of the human experience so we already know that there's an aspiration for this to be of service of service not only to make our own lives happy, but through us, 
that we can be skillful with others. But it's a good time to remember that there is tremendous suffering in this world. Countless beings in stress, in pain, in fear. Beings large and small, those we know and don't know. Children stuck in the middle of adult wars, hunger, even the wealthy, hounded by stress and fear. All of us subject to aging and death. And there's also this possibility of touching peace. And may whatever we've touched of this peace today benefit not only us, but all these other beings, all these people, all these animals, creatures known and unknown, seen and unseen, born and yet to be born, far and near. May all beings, without exception, be free from suffering. May all beings be at peace. May there be peace. May there be peace. May there be peace. peace.